Welcome to the Once Was Lost podcast. This is the Cold Case Missing Person episode. We are now partnered with storiesoftheunsolved.com. Please visit their incredible repository of missing, abducted, and murder-related cases, which are so well-documented. Please remember to rate and review, and we are obviously the podcast side of the OWL Once Was Lost Missing Persons phone application tool for iOS and Android. And it's a completely new way to search for missing or, or, or even abducted persons in real time and involves all of you, everybody that's within the OWL network that gets the free app that you download, especially if you have families, elderly uh, parents or grandparents, anybody in a facility, anybody that could wander off basically. So we want you to download the OWL Once Was Lost app again on Apple or Android if you want to be prepared and also be a part of the solution. You can go to owl-oncewaslost.com and subscribe and download both the app and podcast podcasts there uh, as well. And it's also in the show notes. So let's get this started. Uh, Tabitha Tudors was born on February 15th of 1990 to parents Bo and Deborah Tudors. The youngest of three siblings, she grew up in Nashville, Tennessee on the east side of the city. Growing up, Tabitha was spoiled by her parents, a straight-A student and enthusiastic member of the church choir. She was constantly in the company of her family, who spent a lot of time together. They often went to the racetrack on Saturdays, one of Tabitha's favorite activities, and it was rare for the family to miss a race. Tabitha was the entertainer of the family, constantly cracking jokes and making her parents laugh. She was also extremely close to her mother who she went everywhere with. She would often sleep on the floor at the end of her parents' bed just because she wanted to be closer to them. The morning of April 29, 2003 started out as normal in the Tudor's household. At 5 a.m., Deborah got up for work, noting she had to step over Tabitha on her way out of the room as her younger daughter was asleep at the foot of the bed. Around 7 a.m., Bo woke Tabitha and had her get ready for school. Not long after, he, he also left for work, and as with most mornings, Tabitha had breakfast at the house and completed any outstanding homework she had to finish before school. At 7.50 a.m., Tabitha left her house to catch the school bus, which picked her up at the Boscobel Street and 14th Street, about one block away from the house. However, when she arrived at the stop, there would be no other kids waiting, so she made her way to the next one at Boscobel Street and 15th Street. This was something her mother had advised Tabitha to do as a safety measure. However, Tabitha would never make it to that bus stop. The first sign that something was up was when Tabitha's mother returned home from work that afternoon. She waited for Tabitha to come running in the house at 4 p.m. as she did every day after school. However, at 4.10 p.m. came around and Tabitha still hadn't arrived home and Deborah Tudor set to work searching for her daughter. Deborah first visited Tabitha's school, where she spoke to a teacher and learned that not only had Tabitha not been on the school bus that morning, but she hadn't attended classes either. Alarmed, Deborah made contact with Tabitha's friends, but she wasn't with them and none of them had seen her. By 4.50 p.m., Bo Tudors had returned home from work, panicked over his missing daughter, and at 5 o'clock, Deborah called her eldest daughter, Jamie, to ask what her younger sister had been wearing that morning. However, as Jamie hadn't seen Tabitha before she left for school, she was unable to say. It was 6 p.m. when the tutors reported Tabitha as missing to the police. Not long after Tabitha was reported missing, Jamie was able to surmise by looking at the laundry 
She had folded the previous night that Tabitha had most likely left the house that morning wearing a blue top, jeans, and white sneakers. Police conducted an initial search of the house where they found Tabitha had left behind $20 in her house key. Aside from taking a hairbrush and toothbrush for DNA, they were unable to find any other physical evidence. This led to the initial belief that Tabitha was a runaway, a claim her family vehemently denies, and no Amber Alert was ever issued. Along with the initial house search, police spent the night of Tabitha's disappearance searching a five-mile radius around the house with the aid of concerned neighbors. Deborah Tudors didn't participate as she wanted to be home in case Tabitha returned. On April 30th of 2003, police returned to the Tudors' residence for a more in-depth search of Tabitha's bedroom. They discovered a note with T.D.T-N-M.T.L written on it. As the 13-year-old didn't have a known boyfriend at the time, her family was unable to identify who MTL was. Later that day, a possible witness sighting was reported. An 11-year-old schoolmate of Tabitha's who had been waiting at the bus stop at Boscobel Street and 15th Street claimed to have seen Tabitha get into a red car between 14th and 15th Street. Once Tabitha was in the car, the boy said it reversed and left the street the way it had entered. He was unable to provide the car model or license plate, but did say the driver appeared to be African-American and was wearing a baseball cap. While this was the first big break in the case, it's unclear whether Tabitha got into the vehicle on her own accord, if she was threatened, or if she had been pulled in as there were no screams or signs of a struggle. However, her family claims that she would have never entered a car of a stranger and later tracker dogs would confirm the sighting using the scent of Tabitha's stuffed animals, leading investigators to the midpoint between the two streets. Upon receiving this lead, police began looking for the red car and the man driving behind it, obviously. And at that time, Jamie Tudors had been dating someone who matched that description, but upon further examination, it was determined he was not involved. More eyewitness accounts began to trickle in. These different people reported seeing Tabitha at the intersection of 14th Street and Biscobal Street, while two schoolmates are crossing over from 14th to Biscobal Street. She had been holding something in her hand at the time, which is assumed to have been her report card as it had been given to her the previous day. <clears throat> as the investigation drew on, police believed they'd found a match to the MTL initials on the note, the 18-year-old son of a family known to the tutors. However, he was in the class at the time of Tabitha's disappearance and was cleared of any involvement. A classmate came forward to police to inform them that she and Tabitha had been visiting online chat rooms on a computer at the local library. Said computer was taken away for forensic examination. Unfortunately, given how many people had used it since the pair last logged on, nothing of Tabitha's chat history could be found. A troubling story was brought to the attention of police by a woman who thought she may know a potential suspect in the case. She came forward saying a man known in the area had been inappropriate with her 13-year-old daughter in 1997 and that she had discovered love letters between the two. He had also taken inappropriate interest in her 10-year-old daughter. The woman never went to the police. Upon learning this information, police brought in the man who lived three and a half hours away in Kentucky for questioning, where they learned he'd been in Nashville around the time of Tabitha's disappearance. Looking into his background, it was learned he had a history of spending time with underage girls 
and had been charged with statutory rape. However, his alibi checked out and he was released. While the police were conducting their investigation, the Tudors were doing all they could to keep the media and the public informed of the case. Through the making and distribution of buttons, bracelets, and t-shirts, during this time, tips flooded in, flooded in, claiming Tabitha had been spotted in different Nashville neighborhoods. Unfortunately, none of these sightings could ever be confirmed. And in September of 2003, a new lead came into police in the way of a man with connections to the area who'd been arrested and charged with raping a 17-year-old girl. He lived only four miles away from Tabitha and had been previously convicted of kidnapping and solicitation of a minor. While he didn't own a car at the time Tabitha was missing, he had access to one via his brother. Police questioned the man about his possible involvement, and he denied he was involved, of course, citing a family camping trip as an alibi. As he passed a polygraph test, he was no longer questioned. He still, however, remains a person of interest. Towards the end of 2003, in October of that year, two unconfirmed sightings of Tabitha reported in Linton, Indiana. The first was from a truck driver who claims to have seen a girl matching Tabitha's description with a man and a teenage girl. He noted that the girl looked very anxious and afraid. This report was backed up by a hotel clerk who reported seeing the same group of three. Leads dried up in the years to follow, and on the fifth anniversary of Tabitha's disappearance, police asked local media to run a story on the case to help bring it back into the public eye. The plan worked, as that June, a tip came in that contradicted information previously given to police. A man visited the tattoo shop of Deborah Tudor's niece and told her Tabitha had actually gotten into a green, not red, car. While it is unknown why the man took so long to share this information, police jumped on it and spread it around social media. However, they were unable to locate the vehicle. Wonder why they didn't interview this guy. Seems to be probably more important and then go after the car. Another eight years go by without any new leads. Then on February 10th of 2016, police got a lead on the green car from a woman who claimed to know a man who had driven one and lived in the area at the time. His name was Juan, and his name had previously popped up in the investigation. He had been known to Tabitha, and the two had possibly smoked cigarettes together. He now lived three and a half hours away in Louisville, Kentucky. Police brought Juan in for interrogation where he passed a polygraph and was released. He was later determined that the woman had heavily embellished her story. So there are a few different theories here. The first one, police initially believed Tabitha to be a runaway, given the lack of evidence in the case. However, after witnesses came forward, this theory was thrown out. The family also disputes this, given the fact she wasn't rebellious and still strongly believed that she did not leave of her own accord. Second one is the current theory held by both Tabitha's family and police that obviously she was abducted. Whether this is by someone she knew or didn't is currently unknown but eyewitness accounts and the evidence available point in this direction. The third possibility is Tabitha's disappearance is connected to the unsolved murder of 11-year-old Heaven Ross in Northport, Alabama. Heaven disappeared on her way to school on August 19th of 2003, and her remains were found three years later in Holt, Alabama. Given how similar the girls looked and the similarities in their disappearance, police investigated a possible link between the two cases. However, given the distance between Nashville and Alabama and a lack of evidence linking the two, this is unlikely. In 2014, Tabitha's case, as well as those of 12 other missing persons, was spotlighted at a local concert, the Squeaky Wheel Tour.
As of 2018, the case is still being looked into with investigators going over old evidence in case any of the previous previous evidence was oversighted. Tips are still coming in, but they have yet to lead investigators towards Tabitha. The tutors continue to do whatever they can to keep Tabitha's case in the public's eye. And that's what we're doing here. That's why we bring these stories to you guys. They've hung a poster on the front porch with all of their daughter's details and haven't moved house in case Tabitha returns home. Her room is exactly the way it was on the day of her disappearance. The FBI and local crime stoppers have teamed up to offer a $51,000 reward for information leading to a resolution to the case. Tabitha Tudors went missing in Nashville, Tennessee on Bascobal Street between 14th and 15th Street on April 23, 2003. She was 13 years old and was seen wearing a blue top, jeans, and white sneakers. At the time of the disappearance, she was 5 foot 1 and weighed approximately 100 pounds. She has sandy blonde hair and blue eyes with pierced ears and has a birthmark on her stomach and a scar on her finger. Currently, her case is classified as endangered missing. If alive, she would be 28 years old. If you have any information regarding the case, you can contact the Nashville Metro Police Department at 615-862-8600. So that'll end our episode for today, folks. Please remember to rate and uh, leave leave a, uh, some suggestions if you want. We're willing to take any suggestions anybody has for the podcast. Also sign up for the Owl Once Was Lost Missing Persons tool. It's free. And again, if you have kids, you've got friends with kids, it doesn't matter. This hits every demographic. Uh, you know, you want to be prepared. If your kids go missing at any time, you just upload them to the app. You can upload a picture and everybody in that immediate area is looking. You've got eyes and ears on the ground out searching. All right, guys, thanks. We'll talk to you next week.